Welcome to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Your host, Leonard Birdsong, is a law professor, a former diplomat, and a former federal prosecutor who's here to inform and entertain you with a mix of humor, opinion, and information. Now, here's Leonard Birdsong. Yes, sirree, that music means it is Leonard Birdsong on Leonard Birdsong Radio. So glad that you have joined me today on Talk Zone Radio. I'd love to be here. This show is a unique blend of humor, opinion, storytelling, storytelling, and information. As always, I read some of my dumb criminal law stories, and uh, my research assistant sends me some uh, news tidbits. I'll read those, and we will talk about the death penalty a little bit more. You know, I talked uh, to about that at an earlier program. As usual, I do have the peanut gallery with me. They're growing every week. Yep, there they are. And gosh, and, and, and the fax machine is going off too. My God. All right, so we got the peanut gallery. Okay, we know you're there. We know you're there. All right, thanks so much. Thanks so much. All right. Fax machine has been going off already. Things are coming in. But you know, listen, I, I like movies. I don't know how many of you out there like movies. Like movies, but um, I've always liked movies, and I've always liked the Academy Awards. My mother was a big movie fan, and even as a kid, she made me watch the Academy Awards. I always went to sleep on them, but uh, this year, I still went to sleep, but there was a big, big snafu. Now, some of the movies that were up for Best Picture were Moonlight, La La Land, Fences, uh, Arrival, some other things. I saw many of them. Uh, I saw Moonlight and I saw La La Land. I thought they were both well done and good movies. And uh, it was probably around Hollywood. Everyone thought La La Land was going to win the best picture. But as most of you now know, there was a flub, a snafu, for the best picture, as a matter of fact, it was Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway who were going to do the the uh, the honors, and Faye Warren Beatty opened the envelope, showed it to Faye Dunaway, and she said, "La La Land wins the best picture." A couple of minutes later, there was some confusion on stage, and we were told that it was wrong that the wrong envelope had been handed to Warren Beatty, and that it was actually Moonlight that had won the Academy Award. So what an exciting end. Now, how did all of this happen? Well, according to what I've heard from the Hollywood-type people, the, the uh, Oscars person who from the, the accounting company of Price Waterhouse, I guess it is, and Coopers, they're the ones who keep the tallies of who wins what. And supposedly the person from the accounting company, was busy tweeting during the big show and ended up handing the wrong envelope to Warren Beatty. At any rate, the uh, fellow's name is Brian Cullinan, and he's very apologetic. He's sorry that he did it. He was told he shouldn't be tweeting, but he got involved in tweeting about uh, Emma Stone winning the best actress for La La Land. At any rate, the story has quite an ending. The Academy of Motion Pictures 
say that they're probably not going to have those two people from the accounting company to come back and ever do the Olympics. So there you have it. We've never seen a flub or a snafu like that before. Now, I originally, before I found out all this information, was going to talk to you about maybe you are a big Oscar fan. Here's a little quiz. Won't take long. I'm going to get to some dumb criminal law stories in a moment. However, there goes the fax machine again. She just won't stop sending me those faxes. Okay, these are dumb news tidbits. But anyway, you know when the first Academy Awards was, where the first Academy Awards show was held, do you know? Could it have been in D.W. Griffin's backyard? Could it have been in Grauman's Chinese Theater? Or was it at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel? This is in 1929, and I know most of you out there weren't around for that time. But the answer is the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. Now, most of you also know that La La Land has been nominated for, or had been nominated for a record number of nominations, tying it for the most nominated film ever alongside Titanic and All About Eve. Do you remember how many nominations it received? Was it nine or 14? Or 17. Think about it for a moment. Did they get nine nominations, 14 nominations, or 17 nominations? Well, if you guessed 14, you were right. My final question is about Barbara Streisand and Katherine Hepburn have both won Oscars, and there's a certain distinction that they have. What is that distinction? They are... The only leading actresses to tie for an award, or they both refused to accept their trophies, or each of them had to have their Oscars replaced when they were stolen. Barbara Streisand and Katherine Hepburn, Hepburn have these Oscar distinctions. Are they the only leading actresses to tie for an award? Did they both refuse to accept their trophies? Or did each of them have their Oscars replaced when they were stolen? Well, some of you know the best answer is uh, they were the only leading actresses to tie for an award. So there you have it. Enough about the Oscars. I've got more to say here. I want to tell you about some of my dumb criminal law stories. I've been working on some stories here. These are some new ones. They haven't gotten into any of my new books. You know, you can read some of these stories on my blog. Go to www.birdsongslaw.com, and you can read about some of these stories. Later on, I put some of them in my books that you can find on my website, leonardbirdsong.com. This first story today is from Florida. The headline read, Their mouths were clean, but their hands were dirty. This comes from Orange County, in Orange County, deputies alleged that 64-year-old Mary Curtis and 44-year-old Clint Curtis led a racketeering operation that was responsible for stealing more than $100,000 in elect get this electronic toothbrush products and cash from Publix, Walmart, Walgreens, and CVS stores throughout Central Florida. Now, the criminal complaint that I've seen alleges that the bulk of the money the two brought in came from stealing two particularly unusual items, high-end electronic and replacement toothbrush heads, then returning them 
as if they had legitimately purchased them and then pocketing the cash. Not only were the corporations losing money on the stolen merchandise, but they also lost money each time their employees processed the return. The Curtises are being held in the Orange County Jail awaiting trial right now, folks. Another story from Florida, and this comes from Orlando. Yes, I live in Orlando, and I'm broadcasting from Talk Zone Studios in Orlando. The story, Vicious Swan... The headline read, it was a foul day for this police officer. Story. An unnamed police officer was caught on video fleeing from a swan that chased him out of Orlando's Lake Eola Park as he rode his bicycle. The Orlando Police Department tweeted the footage, noting, quote, you can't imagine the hazards our officers face out there every day. (laughs) Yeah, that is sort of funny. All right, it's not that funny. Let's go to the next one. Sticking with Florida. Yes, I've been developing a number of stories from Florida. This one, the headline says, Con Man. It has been reported that when attorney Kenneth Andrews first met his new client, Donald Mitchell, at the Seminole County Jail, Mitchell walked out of the lockup looking like a superstar. While dressed in a white jail jumpsuit, not the blue jumpsuit like most other inmates, and he was wearing tinted gold framed glasses. Now, Mitchell was a star of sorts who gained cachet while in the jail because he's the inmate who conned his lawyer into smuggling a new iPhone past correction authorities, an act that left the attorney locked up in the same jail. Mitchell also threatened the judge and tore up a security jail camera. My gosh. It's not that funny. It's not that funny. Okay. There's more. Let's go to France now. Here's a story. The headline, translated into English. Things don't always go better with Coke, stupid. A woman was so curious about the quality of her cocaine that she walked into a police station and asked gendarmes to test it. The 43-year-old woman asked police in Toulouse, France, to examine two bags of cocaine and one bag of crack. Why? Quote, because she wanted to know if it was of good quality. End quote. Of course, she was arrested and sent to jail. Things don't always go better with Coke, stupid. All right, mildly funny. Let's go to Georgia. Headline. The question is, where did he put the cocktail sauce? A man allegedly stole a bag of frozen shrimp by shoving it down the front of his pants. Unfortunately, his pants gave off a distinctive crunch, crunching sound as he was leaving the Dollar General store in Albany, Georgia. The man was confronted by the store manager but managed to leave with the stolen seafood. The question again, where did he put the cocktail sauce? All right, okay, all right. Here's one from Germany. 
headline, Sex at the Top of the Bridge. Story. A German couple who took exhibitionism to new heights were arrested for indulging in sexual intercourse on top of a bridge. It appears that the lovers climbed hundreds of feet onto an arch of the Kaiser, Kaiser Lie, I'm sorry, Kaiser, Kaiser Lie Bridge in Frankfurt, Germany. They peeled off their clothes and proceeded to do the wild thing. Police had to close the autobahn to bring the couple down and arrest them for lewd public behavior. Boy, what, what heights people will go for some thrills, right? All right, okay. All right, when one starts, they all have to start. All right. Peanut, peanut gallery, settle down, okay? All right, this next story, and the last one that I'm going to tell in this second section of the show, is from New York. Now, this is a horrible story. It really isn't funny, but I'm going to read it to you anyway. The headline read, it's from New York State. There is a lot of nasty symbolism with respect to the evidence in this case. There is a lot of nasty symbolism with respect to the evidence in this case. I ask, did she really hate the man? The story. Charlene Mess, 49, of Attica, New York, recently pleaded guilty to manslaughter and faces up to 25 years in prison. Why? Well, the evidence reveals that she hit her farmer husband, Douglas Mess, who was 52, with a pitchfork, then shot him in the head, and finally buried him in manure. Mr. Mess had been reported missing by his son, setting off a seven-hour search, wherein they found him in the manure pit. What an awful story. My God. All right, we're going to take a break now. I will be back with you. Uh, the fax machine has been going crazy. I've got some news tidbits to share with you. We're going to also talk to a distinguished uh, retired judge who knows an awful lot about the death penalty to talk to us uh, at the bottom of the hour. Stick with us, folks. i got more to come. It's a new year. You're probably making resolutions again, right? Time to find a better job, improve your relationships, and fix your finances. Well, Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited, nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and consumer debt counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to consumerdebtcounselors.org slash birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. 
Although he's been involved in serious criminal law work over the years as a prosecutor, a defense attorney, and a law professor, Leonard Birdsong knows that it's good to stay grounded. That means not always taking criminal law so seriously and instead just having a good laugh at some dumb criminals and their dumber crimes. Several years ago, he began to collect and compile weird and funny criminal law stories. He shares some of them weekly on his TalkZone Internet Radio program. And now you can read more of them yourself in one of his 14 humor books. He has two book series, Professor Birdsong's Dumbest Criminal Law Stories and Professor Birdsong's Weird Criminal Law Stories. They're available for purchase in either paperback or Kindle edition by going to the author link on the homepage at leonardbirdsong.com. Leonard knows that you'll get a few good laughs or at least a few chuckles from his collections of dumb and weird criminal law stories. Check them out for yourself by going to the author link at leonardbirdsong.com. Now back to Professor Birdsong for more Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Yes, I am Leonard Birdsong, and this is Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone. I'm back with you. I'm so happy to be here. That's my fax machine going off. My uh, research assistant back at the school sends me news tidbits that she thinks I should read to the listeners out here. There's no fake news on Leonard Birdsong Radio. Everything I tell you is true and real. Don't I can't make this stuff up. Here's the first news tidbit that I want to read to you. The headline says, and you have to listen to this, this is catchy, less bang for the cluck. The story, there's foul play afoot in the buns of Subway sandwiches, a news report claims. The fast food chain's chicken contains only 50% actual chicken DNA, and the most of it is soy filler. This is according to researchers in Canada. The research says the restaurant's oven roasted chicken contains a mere 53.6% chicken. And its chicken strips have only 42.8% chicken and the rest of it is soy. This is dishonest. It's a misrepresentation. And authorities in Toronto, Toronto, Canada, where this was found out are in up in arms we will see what was that headline again less bang for the cluck <laughs> think about that when you go to subway all right here's another one now now this is not one that most people will want to know about but it's not a a bad story a mechanical engineer in silicon valley has built the world's largest nerf gun yes i said nerf gun Mark Roberts' invention has been officially recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records. The six-foot gun fires foam bullets made from pool noodles and toilet plungers at 40 miles per hour. Can you believe that? Yeah, that's what I say, too. It's sort of funny. All right. Now, here's another one you movie buffs might like. You know, the Chinese are buying a lot of movie theaters. Not theaters. They're buying a lot of movie studios. The headline here, that's a sly move. 
comes from Los Angeles. The Chinese now own Rambo. Beijing's Recon Holdings has purchased a 51% stake in Millennium, the film company behind oh, Sylvester Stallone's Rambo and Expendable movies. The deal is valued as 100 million at $100 million, and Recon has the right to purchase the rest of the studio down the line. Now, this purchase continues a, strand, a trend of Asian money pouring into Hollywood. Millennium is at least the third studio that has sold control of a major stake to a deep-pocket Chinese investment firm. Well, my, 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 good luck to them. There's more here. There are more tidbits. She keeps them coming. There's more coming in. Any of you out there like Rihanna? She's a singer. We call her a little songbird. She's from the Caribbean. She comes from uh, Barbados. I've been to Barbados, lovely island. Anyway, the headline, Harvard Fetz Riri. That's Rihanna's nickname, Riri. The story. Rihanna has been named the 2017 Harvard University Humanitarian of the Year. You never think of you, Riri as a humanitarian. The Grammy Award-winning singer is being honored on, well, she just was honored on February 28th, a couple of years ago, a couple of days ago, not years ago, a couple of days ago for the various charity efforts, including building a center to treat breast cancer in her home nation of Barbados and funding scholarships for students attending U.S. colleges from Caribbean countries. Well, she's doing something good with all that money that she is making, and she, from what I understand it, has made several million dollars already this year. There's more stories coming in, folks. More stories coming in. All right. The peanut Gallery wants them to keep coming. All right. You'll like this one. You'll like this one. How how long is your ride or drive to work and your drive home? How many miles do you drive a day? How many miles do you drive a year? Well, here are some st statistics that uh, my research assistant sent me. Drivers racked up 3.2 trillion miles in 2016. Here's the story. Americans drove a record of 3.22 trillion miles last year, a 2.8% rise from 2015, and the fifth consecutive year of increase. This is according to the U.S. Department of Transportation. Vehicle miles traveled are closely watched by energy analysts as they are a good indicator of fuel demand. Gasoline, gasoline demand for 2016 was expected to be at a record level when the Energy Information Administration released its data. Well, I don't know how far you drove, but I hope it wasn't 3.2 trillion miles to get back and forth to work. I have to drive about 14 miles a day. That's not bad to get to the law school. I won't even tell you about coming to the studio. Here's a story, a news tidbit out of Colorado. The headline, Colorado okays pot drive through The western Colorado town of Parachute is getting a marijuana shop with a drive-up window believed to be the first in the state. The Parachute Board of Trustees approved a business license for Tumbleweed Express last week. The business also had to get approval from the state of Mar the state marijuana enforcement division. 
Tumbleweed Express cannot allow anyone younger than 21 on the premises, even in the back seat of a car. The business must also have security and surveillance, and, mar- uh, and marijuana may not be visible from outside of the store. I don't know. I don't smoke marijuana. I don't use it. But do we really need a drive-up window to get it in states where it's legal? Think about that for a while, folks. All right. This is the last one I'm going to do. Headline. Hitler phone gets $243,000. A telephone owned by Adolf Hitler recently sold at auction. Stop that phone from ringing. A telephone owned by Adolf Hitler, and that was not ringing. That's not Hitler's phone that was ringing. A telephone owned by Adolf Hitler sold at auction Sunday a couple of weeks ago for $243,000. The device went to a person who bid by phone, and uh, this was an auction at the historical auction site in Chesapeake, Maryland. The buyer's name was not released. <coughs> Excuse me. Bidding on the red phone started at $100,000. The phone includes a Nazi party symbol and Hitler's name engraved on the back. It was used in vehicles and trains as well as Hitler's field headquarters. Just wanted you to know about Hitler's phone. Yeah, I don't know who really needs to have Hitler's phone. All right, folks. We are going to have a guest coming up with us in our next part of the show. I want you to stay with us. It's going to be interesting. We're going to talk more about the death penalty. As you know, I'm not in favor of the death penalty. My guest is going to be Judge O.H. Eaton. He's now a retired judge in Sanford, Florida, but a mighty, 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 how would you say it, knowledgeable judge about the death penalty. He got his education at the Swanee Military Academy. That's his high school education in Swanee, Tennessee. And he went to the University of Florida for his BS degree and the University of Florida for his law degree. He became a judge of the 18th Circuit, Circuit Judge of the 18th Circuit in Florida. He was elected in 1986 and retired in 2010. During his tenure on the bench, he served for 10 years on the Florida Sentencing Commission and was a chair of the criminal justice section of the Florida Conference of Circuit Judges. He um, he was a member of the ABA Florida Death Penalty Assessment Committee in 2002 and 2003, and he taught the handling of capital cases at the Florida College of Advanced Judicial Studies and at the National Judicial Com- College, rather, the National Judicial College in uh, the University of Nevada in Reno for many years. See, uh, he's been active since retiring in the Constitution Project. During 2011, the Casey Anthony trial, he was a correspondent for that trial at WESH 2 News. He's a friend of mine. I'm glad we can have him on. But before we do, we're going to take a little break, a pause for the cause, and we'll come back and talk to Judge Eaton.
It's a new year. You're probably making resolutions again, right? Time to find a better job, improve your relationships, and fix your finances. Well, Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and Consumer Debt Counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to ConsumerDebtCounselors.org slash Birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. Are you considering law school? Then you probably have tons of questions about the application process, the admissions process, the benefits of a legal career, and what it takes to succeed in law school. You'll find the answers to these questions and more in Professor Birdsong's Law School Guide, Techniques for Choosing and Applying to Law School. Inside, you'll find helpful chapters on the history of the lawyer, why you should apply to law school, things you need to know about applying, and more. You have the ability and the drive. Now, get the advice that will guide you into the legal profession by helping you successfully submit your application to the law school of your choice. Professor Birdsong's award-winning law school guide, Techniques for Choosing and Applying to Law School. Available for purchase on Amazon.com or through the author link at LeonardBirdsong.com. You're listening to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Here's Professor Birdsong. Yes, it is. Leonard Birdsong on Leonard Birdsong Radio. Happy to be with you. You know, it's March 2nd already. The year is flying by. I'm here with my guest. It's Judge O.H. Eaton. He's still a judge to me, even though he's retired from the bench. He knows an awful lot about the death penalty. Judge Eaton, are you there? I am. Good afternoon. Thanks. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for coming on. The peanut peanut gallery is applauding you. We're happy to have you. I gave you a little introduction, told the folks about you. You probably know more about the death penalty than most judges and even law professors know because you've taught about the death penalty in Florida and at the National Judicial College. How many death penalty cases did you preside over while you were on the bench? I don't know the exact number. It was over 20. Mm. It's an awful lot. Now, one of the reasons that I'm talking to you is because I'm against the death penalty. I think you know that. We've talked about that a number of times. And last week, last Friday, you were at a death penalty law review session at the law school, and I take it you were one of the presenters about what's happening with the death penalty in Florida. Is that right? No, I was just a participant. I didn't present anything. Okay, so, but you do know an awful lot about the whole thing, and so let's tell people, and let me just sketch it out. It was in 2016 when the Supreme Court decided a case called Hearst versus Florida, 
And basically, in that case, the Supreme Court says we were doing the death penalty wrong, doing it the wrong way, because jurors should make the final decision and not judges. Is that right in a nutshell? Well, it it is. There's some history to it that uh, can be brought up to date very quickly. Uh, All right, that's what I'd like you to do. Florida was uh, one of the first states to reenact the death penalty after uh, 1971 when the U.S. Supreme Court declared the death penalty procedures that were being used in the United States unconstitutional. And Florida decided to have a, a kind of a hybrid system where the jury would make the decision about guilt or innocence, just like in any other case, unanimously. And then the jury would listen to what was listed as aggravated and mitigating circumstances and make a recommendation to the judge as to what uh, should be done as far as the penalty is concerned, either death or life in prison. And it was the judge's responsibility at that point to make findings of fact as to the existence of these aggravating circumstances, whether they'd been proven beyond a reasonable doubt, and to weigh them against mitigation and, and make a decision. And that was the system that we used for years. But when Hearst came out uh, last year, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court said, well, there's a Sixth Amendment right to jury trial, and the jury has to make the decision, the findings of fact, as to whether the aggravating circumstances exist and and uh, instead of the judge. So that's where we are with that. And it was a it was an interesting kind of case because there was evolution involved in it. It started off with a case called Apprendi versus New Jersey. Know that and one well. That, and in that case, the uh, the U.S. Supreme Court said, well, if you're going to sentence somebody to something more than the maximum statutory allowance, that is, if you have a, in, in New Jersey, that had to do with a, a hate crime. The penalty for uh, Apprendi's crime was 10 years in prison, but if it was a hate crime, he could get up to 15. And mm -hmm. the judge had the responsibility to decide whether or not it was a hate crime. The U.S. Supreme Court said, no, that's a jury function. The jury has to make those findings. Right. Then along Spring versus Arizona, and that was a capital case. And in Arizona, the jury didn't make any findings at all in, in the penalty phase of a capital case. The uh, the uh, judge did, and they said, no, you can't do that. So from 2002 until 2016, we were kind of in limbo in Florida, and uh, 41 people were executed between the two dates uh, before the U.S. Supreme Court finally got around to declaring Florida's statute unconstitutional. And so I think you say that those people were put to death in violation of the constitutional rights. Is that it? They were, yes, in violation of the Sixth Amendment to the Constitution, which guarantees a right to trial by jury. There is nobody on death row in Florida that was that has been put there with the proper findings of fact by a jury. And so you now, as I understand it, have written an article or are working on an article about what the Supreme Court should do, or is it the legislature should do about changing the law to make well, it more constitutional? Well, what's happened is the legislature has met and has passed a new statute uh, that uh, required the jury to make unanimous findings about certain things, but they allowed the jury to make a recommendation as to this penalty uh, by a vote of 10 to 2. And the Florida Supreme Court just recently said, well, you can't do that either. So <laughs> It's got to be 12 people, right? 
got to be it's got to be unanimous, right? So that's where we are with that. And of course, now the question is: Is that decision retroactive to all the people on death row? And the Florida Supreme Court, in a very strange case, uh, ruled that anybody that was placed on death row after uh, Apprendi, I mean, after Ring versus Arizona was decided in 2002, can have a, a review to determine if they can get a new penalty phase trial. Hmm. But anybody that was convicted before then cannot. And this it's the first time in history. Uh, in the United States that, a, that a, an appellate court has ruled that some people were entitled to retroactivity and others are not. So it's, it's yeah, a that, different kind that, of thing. That, that's a problem. It seems like unequal protection of the law to me, does it? Well, I suspect there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of paths tried to, to Washington, D.C. on that one to see what the U.S. Supreme Court might do with it. Mm-hmm. Let me just make, talk about this Florida law and what the judges can do. I take it under Hearst now in Florida, a trial judge can't overrule a jury's recommendation for life in prison instead of the death penalty. Is that right? That is true. And under Florida law, it was virtually impossible to do that anyway, although there was a provision for it. But uh, no override has been approved by the Florida Supreme Court for over 20 years. So uh, that that was a non-issue, really. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what do you think the Supreme Court is going to do about this decision about the people who have were sentenced after 2002? Well, will it, will they, they will, will they, they, they will get new trials or at least penalty phase trials. Maybe our listeners need to understand in capital cases, you have a bifurcated trial. That is the first phase. It determines guilt or innocence. And if it's found, if the person's found guilty, they go into what's called the guilt phase to determine whether the, the, uh, death penalty should be granted or not. And, uh, that's, that's the way it's done. And yeah, the problem is people who have been been unconstitutionally sentenced probably should have a hearing for sure, a new penalty phase hearing, I would think. Well, that's what the, that's what you would think. But uh, the court has been ruling that if you had your penalty phase trial under the old system, the unconstitutional <laughs> system, and if the jury came back with a recommendation of death by a vote of 12 to nothing, a unanimous recommendation, then they have declared that that is what's called harmless error. And as a result, uh, those people are not going to get new penalty phase trials. They're going to, just going to stay on death row. Now, that decision is going to be reviewed, no doubt, because that's a, uh, that, that, that deals with a number of people. There's about 400 people on death row in Florida, and about yeah. 100 of them are are subject to uh, the Hearst decision and, and may be entitled to a new penalty phase. Yeah, I had the exact statistics. I think it was like 389 people on death row. What people, what our listeners don't know, you and I went to death row a couple of years, well, a few years ago, we took some students up there to the Stark Penitentiary in Florida. It's quite a dreary place, in my opinion. You remember that trip? Oh, yes, Florida State Prison. Yeah. But, you know, you you have taught about the death penalty. As a matter of fact, you've come to some of my classes in criminal law. And we know that about 128 countries don't impose the death penalty, and about 69 of those countries do still use death penalty. And even in the United States, 
every state doesn't have a death penalty, so there's a division. Here's a question I want to ask. Do you think the death penalty will ever be abolished in the United States, Judge Eaton? Well, about six states have abolished the death penalty in the last 20 years, either by by their legislature or by court decisions. So there is kind of a trend towards abolition of the death penalty. But uh, I think in states like Florida, what's going to happen is you're not going to get legislative will to abolish the death penalty, and and the courts are not going to do it either. So what will happen is it'll be sort of like in uh, New Hampshire. They've got a death penalty in New Hampshire, but they haven't used it for 80 years. And (laughs) Well, I I know in California they seldom put anyone to death. I don't think anyone has been executed in California for about 20 years, and they've got a lot of people on death row. They have the largest number of people on death row. Yeah, they've got the largest death row in California in the United States, and they haven't executed anybody since the 70s. Yeah, all right. So it's been 30 years now, 30, 35, almost 40. Um, another question that I would put to you, you have taught at the Florida Death Penalty Committee, or I guess the ABA, rather, Death Penalty, I'm looking at this, and you've taught at the National Judicial College. What do you teach judges? How do you teach judges? You are a judge. How do you teach other judges about the death penalty? What do you do? Well, first place, uh, when you have 50 judges in a, in a room and you're trying to teach them something, you have to be pretty well prepared because you've got a class full of experts, you know. So, uh, so, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so it's, it's really quite an interesting experience. But what we did was, see, Florida has this, this, death penalty course that all judges have to take before they can try a death penalty case. So every judge in Florida, basically, with few exceptions, has had my course. And Because yep. I just quit teaching it in 2015. That was my last year. So it's almost every judge in Florida has had it. But it, it's a week-long course, and we go over all of the procedural and uh, and substantive aspects of the, of the death penalty law to try to make sure that it's done in a fair and impartial manner. Uh, mm-hmm. What we did, what we did both in in uh, at Florida and at the National Judicial College is we used a scenario that was a uh, a fact situation that we'd made up, and we use it during the whole week. It's a, it's a murder case involving three defendants, and so one of the defendants is way more guilty than the others as far as culpability is concerned. Uh-huh. And the question. And at the end of the at the end of the week, what we do is we tell the judges we say now what we want you to do is to enter a judgment, and and uh, tell us who's going what your sentence is going to be for these three people, and usually the most guilty person, the most culpable person gets about fifty five percent of the uh, of the judges to vote for death and about forty five percent to vote for life, and what huh. happens after that? That's the last thing we do. And all of a sudden, these judges who are sitting usually around a U-shaped table, uh, they're all looking across at each other and realizing that <laughs> it mattered more about the judicial assignment on the case than it did what the facts of the case were. And so even, even when you're trying to be fair with this, this death penalty thing, it turns out that it's extremely subjective and, and uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to figure out a way to do it fairly. You know, I I remember back in law school long ago, I read a decision. I don't know if it was Furman versus Georgia, but Justice Marshall said that he had tried a lot of death penalty cases when he worked for the NAACP 
defense fund. And he says the more he learned about the death penalty, the more he came to hate it and the less he came to understand it. So I still think that that's probably very true. Judge Eden, I'm going to have to take a break. We want to stay with you for a couple of more questions if you can. And uh, we will be back with you after this pause. It's a new year. You're probably making resolutions again, right? Time to find a better job, improve your relationships, and fix your finances. Well, Consumer Debt Counselors is the company that will help you get out of debt. Consumer Debt Counselors is a licensed, accredited, nonprofit agency that specializes in educating people about credit and debt and helping people resolve issues with debt, even student loan debt. There are so many federal regulations. Most people have more options than they realize, and consumer debt counselors can uncover all of your eligible solutions, including lowering your payment or getting out of default. If you want a partner that will work with you to achieve financial success, talk to the team at Consumer Debt Counselors. They have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so these guys are the real deal. Your first consultation is free, and all sessions are kept confidential. Give them a call at 1-800-820-9232 or go to consumerdebtcounselors.org slash birdsong. The number again is 800-820-9232. Welcome back to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Yeah. Yes, this is Birdsong on Leonard Birdsong Radio back with you. I have Judge Eaton on the line. He is a well-versed judge in the death penalty, handled many death penalty cases when he was on the bench in Sanford, Florida, the 18th Judicial Circuit, Florida. He also teaches about the death penalty. I'm at the end, Judge Eaton. I'm coming to the end of my time on talks, though, for the talk show talk zone rather for this week but i understand now that you are in retirement you are one of the attorneys handling capital appeals in death penalty cases for the public defender here in florida is that right yes I, yes i uh, i was i'm retired as i said and and i i quit being a senior judge and and just didn't do anything for a while and i got kind of bored so one day i called up uh um, the public defender in in uh, Daytona, who is a friend of mine, and I said uh, I want something to do, and he said, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "I want to do capital appeal." And he said, "Well, come over, and I'll give you a job." So, so <laughs> I'm doing I'm I'm doing capital appeals, and I'm I'm having a good time with it, quite frankly. Well, that's good. Now, most of our listeners don't understand that it costs more to try to put a person to death than it is to keep them in jail for life. Isn't that right? Oh, absolutely. The, the uh, trial of death penalty cases and the post-trial proceedings far exceed the cost of incarceration for life. That's just a shame. Just a shame. Also, another little tidbit that I learned when we went up to the uh, the Stark where they have the, the death chamber, that prisoners under a death penalty are not considered having a sentence. They're under a death penalty, right? Yes. And if you are on death row in Florida, you get a chance to have a color TV set and a fan in your cell. Is that right? Well, actually, the, the, the TV set is set outside the cell. But, uh, yeah, they, they have an opportunity to do that. You know, 
there's some people that complain about that kind of thing, but it, this is the way it works. It, it costs a couple of hundred dollars to provide a television set, and it costs a lot more money to provide to provide a, a guard 24 hours a day. So uh, these these amenities that they have are not. This isn't a fancy place. I mean, you were there, it, and I've been there. Many yeah, times. It, it's not fancy. I'll tell you that. It is a grim place to be, and these. Death row cells are are nine feet by eleven feet, and they're not uh, they're not, or I'm sorry, seven feet by eleven feet, and they're not right. uh, uh, they're not any kind of uh, luxurious accommodations. I can assure you. And they're locked up twenty three hours a day. They get one hour of uh, exercise a day outside their cell. That, that's right, and I think uh, twice a week or three times a week they get a shower. Boy, what a deal, huh? Well, at any rate, whatever, about 389 people on death row, and they have their TVs outside the cell and a fan in the cell. I never want to go there again, and I hope none of our listeners ever go to death row. Judge Eden, Eden thanks so much for being with us, okay? I'll be talking okay, to you later. Pleasure. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for coming on. Bye-bye. All right, that's the peanut gallery. Okay, yes, Judge Eden did, was good. He gave you some facts you didn't know about the death penalty. Yep, I'm still against it. That trip we took a few years ago to take some students up to death row was, well, it was a good trip, but when you get to this prison, it is really pretty grim and someplace I wouldn't like to be. But anyway, now you know more about the death penalty, and certainly the death penalty in Florida. I hope that it is abolished, but we will see. Judge Eaton doesn't seem to be very encouraged that it will be abolished anytime soon. One of the facts you don't know about the death penalty, number of states over the years, when I say over the years, over the years that the United States has been a country, some states start with the death penalty, they keep it for 40 to 50 years, and then they do away with it. And maybe they do away with it for 20, 25 years, and they bring it back. It's a constant pendulum that swings back and forth between the states. How do people execute people in the United States? Well, the three most favorite, not favorite, I shouldn't say favorite, the most common ways are lethal injection, the electric chair, and firing squad. Bet you didn't know that. Well, anyway, there's all kinds of information on Leonard Birdsong Radio, maybe information you don't really need or want to know. But we've been talking about some grim stuff. Let's go on to something that's a little funny. You know, I always try to end the show on a high note. I like riddles, and I wonder if you can solve these riddles. Let's do a few of them right now. Here's the first riddle. What do you call a bunch of bees? What do you call a bunch of bees? Now, think about it for a moment. We've got time. You get it? What do you call a bunch of bees? Here's the answer. A pretty good report card. (laughs) All right. All right. Okay. Okay. Here's another one. Here's another one. I I like this one. You, You may get this one. Listen carefully now. What goes oh, oh, oh? What goes oh, oh, oh? Think about it. Think hard about this now. 
Well, question is, what goes O, O, O? You got it now? Well, the answer is Santa Claus walking backwards. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Santa Claus walking backwards. All right. I like that. Got a couple of more here before we go. It's been a good show. I hope you've liked some of the things you've heard, some of the dumb news stories. You can find some of my stories on my blog, www.birdsongslaw.com. You can also email me if you want to make comments about the show. Go to lbirdsong at, nope, lbirdsong22 at gmail.com and you can email me and I'll email you back and also talk about you on the show. All right, here is another riddle. How did the duck prove he was a good detective? How did the duck prove he was a good detective? Well, have you guessed? He quacked the case. <laughs> he quacked the case, get it? All right. I don't know. I don't even know if I want to do this one. Do you? Well, I, I'm going to do it. Do you know why the school clock got in trouble? Do you know why the school clock got in trouble? Think about it now. Well, it was because it talked in class. It talked in class. All right, it's funny, but it's not that funny, folks. It talked in class. All right. All right, folks. Well, again, that's pretty much all that I have for you today. I hope to be back with you and plan to be back with you next week on Talk Zone Radio. This is Leonard Birdsong Radio. Never any fake news on this station. What I tell you is real. Some of it's funny. Some of it's sad. But some of it is informative. So I like to do that. I like to inform and entertain and I hope that you'll stick with me. Email me at lbirdsong22 at gmail.com. Go to my blog, www.birdsongslaw.com. I'll be with you next week.